Hey, I want to welcome everyone back to another episode of Parlay with Comedian Kevin Wolf. Today we have another special guest, a fellow comedian. He's been killing the game. Uh, he's from North Carolina. He's going to get into a little bit more detail than that. He's traveled across the country. He's opened up for uh, other well-known comedians. He He's just out here getting it. You're going to see his name continue to grow. He's also an author, uh, director, producer. He has held every job that it takes to get it done. Uh, yes. One of the I know, uh, one of the few comedians that I listen to and, and actually get inspired. So, ladies and gentlemen, today's guest is comedian Amston Hughes. How's it going, man? Hey man, appreciate it, man. Thank you for the great intro right there. And, um, I'm I'm good, man. I'm living. I can't complain. Um, I'm Corona freak for all, as far as I'm, as far as I know. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I can't complain at all, man. Everything good this way, man. Thank you. That's me on and all Man, I, I had to get you on, man. But uh, before we get into your comedy, I kind of want to give everybody sort of a, a background on who you are and uh, where you're from. So if you could kind of start from, you know, so where you're from, where'd you grow up, all of that good stuff. Well, I'm I'm truly like a Carolina kid, man. Like I grew I was born in South Carolina, then I moved to North Carolina when I was uh, 13. So I've lived in Columbia, South Carolina. I've lived in Bennettsville, South Carolina. Um, when I was 13, that's when I, we moved to uh, Morven, North Carolina, uh, which is um, where my uh, majority of my uh, my father's family is from. Um, so a lot of times you'll hear me rep Anson County because that's where I, I, I grew up. Um, so, uh, but I, I still have um, a lot of ties to South Carolina. My mother's family is mainly from South Carolina, um, all the way from the low country down in uh, Walterboro. Hampton all the way up to uh, Greenville, South Carolina, and you know, so I've been, you know, definitely raised in the Carolinas, uh, literally. <laughs> so, <laughs> does does that impact your comedy? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Cause I mean, it um, growing up in the South, it it gives you, um, you know, I feel like it, you know, it gave me. Um, a a different perspective, and it also like you know there's just certain things that um that we just do because we were just you know we were just taught to do like waving or somebody driving <laughs> the street, even if you don't know them or just you know saying yes sir yes ma'am and uh, you know those type of you know those type of things they stuck with me so when I take that when I when I go around the country or things of that nature um. It definitely helps to be, you know, you know, to be well mannered. And I feel like that's something that like was ingrained in me from like from the um from the beginning growing up uh, you know, in the Carolinas. For sure. So how did you get went well before how yeah, how did you get into comedy? And and particularly how did you get into stand up? Being in North Carolina where there's not a lot of opportunities. Uh, like say in New York or LA where you could just roll up into comedy clubs because it's one on every block. So how did you get into it? I just did it. Like I didn't, I didn't even plan on doing, um, doing it really. I kind of got pushed into doing it because I was, um, 
I was just always like clowning. You know, I was always like trying to be the class clown. Like in school, I was trying to be, I was always clowning in class. And so, you know, of course that trial, you know, that, you know, that going, you know, that goes over into like your work habits. So like I had a job, um, an office job and, um, it was at a call center and, uh, we, uh, one of my homeboys, man, he, uh, actually decided to start pursuing comedy first. And he um, actually decided to make the leap to uh, go to D.C. and pursue it. And so um, once he did that, then he started coming back and doing a show here like once a month. And so one of the things like one of the, one of the things that made me and him click, one of the reason why we bonded when we were working together in the office was because we always like 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 cracking on each other. Like the time we got in the office to the time we went home, we pretty much made everybody else's work day like easier because like if we were both at work like they knew you was gonna be entertained because we were gonna crack on each other all day long so um one day he hit me up and he was like man i'm doing a show back home and i want you to just do five minutes man you funny i'm like bro i don't want to do my fear for stand-up my fear for stand-up was always like like somebody just being like over the top rude you know what i'm saying like <laughs> i had a yeah. You know, I had thought about doing it before, but like I always felt like I didn't have the temperament to do it. Like I just felt like, man, like I'm not the type. I'm not the type of person that you can boo and like disrespect <laughs> like that, and everything gonna be okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's probably go. It's gonna go to another level. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, man, I don't. I ain't even gonna put myself in that predicament. And I really, uh, you know, in college, like I, uh, me and my friends, we were writing sketches before there was a YouTube. So like that was the lane I thought that was gonna use to get in on the comedy was like through sketches and like just, you know, making videos and stuff. Um, but we didn't have anywhere to like show our our sketches. So like we would literally like um, edit everything and then like people would come over to the apartment complex and like, well, over to the apartment and we'd just sit down and we'd be in the living room. We'd just be showing everybody our sketch that we just shot earlier today. That was the only way we could like show people our sketch, you know? So that's the only way I thought I was going to do comedy, but he taught me into doing it and I got there and I practiced for like a month um, before the show. Like he, had, you know, he had basically told me like, yo, the show was on this day, February 21st, 2014. I'm like, I'm like, I bet that's like a month. That's like a month and a half from the time he told me he wanted to. And so I, I wrote like a little five minute routine. I mean, I practice that routine every day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and then like the first time I got up, I got on stage and I, 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 and I delivered a joke and everybody laughed. I was it. Like I was hooked after that. So let me ask you this, because one of the things I noticed you didn't say. And well, that you didn't do on your path was take a comedy class. Now, I'm not against it, but do you think that comedy is something you can teach in a class? I think you can. But, all right, let me put it like this. I think you can teach it, but I don't think everybody can execute it. Mm. You see what I'm saying? It's like... Mm. It's like I can take I I can teach I mean I could take a basketball class, but I if I'm not if I don't have good hand eye coordination, it don't matter how many classes or how many camps you go to, you're not gonna you know what I'm saying you're not 
you know, it, it's it's just not for you. It's not going to work out for you. That's just the way I feel about everything, man. You know, you went to school with a dude who tried, who mama had some money, and he went to all the basketball camps. All the camps, this nigga went to the Dean Smith camp. This nigga went to the Coach K camp. You come back yeah. to school in August, he's still getting this shit thrown halfway across the gym. Like, it's like, you know, it's just, it just ain't for you. You know what I'm saying? It just ain't. You know what I'm saying? It just happens. You know, so so it's like, I, I feel like it's one of those things that you have to have a genuine talent for, and then you can build on it. But as far as like you just taking a comedy class, and I, I'm just saying, I'm, I ain't seen it happen yet where somebody just started, like somebody started at the at the at the at the bare like at the you know the bare minimum of funny, took a comedy class, came out the comedy class and they was a beast. I just I ain't never seen it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was I was talking to somebody else about it, man, and they were like, "Well, I think I'm gonna take a comedy class, and you know that's how I'm gonna become a stand-up comedian." and I'm just trying to figure out why do people think that a comedy class is a part of it when I think I, because I think that I think the comedy class can help you, but I don't think that you can just like, you can't like, that's just like somebody who ain't never cooked before. Like, okay, I'm going to take me a class in cooking and they take a class for three weeks. And then after the three weeks, they're like, all right, bet I'm a chef. Like, nah, like you just started cooking three weeks ago. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> And, you know, it, it, it don't work that way. You know what I'm saying? But if I do believe it can help you, and then if you continue to put the work in after yeah. the class, then that's what's going to make you uh, better. Because one thing about a comedy class is I don't think it can sim- – I don't think you can simulate a live audience. Not with us, you can't. You can't simulate <laughs> a live black audience. I don't think – I don't give a damn. Nothing can match you it. Do. <laughs> you can't. You can't, you can't simulate that. Like you could, y'all can go to class all you want to, and <laughs> and, and y'all can have like some um some stand-in black people. Like we're gonna, all right, all right, all right, Chuck, Chuck, you sit over there and you're gonna play the part of the angry brother <laughs> who's waiting on his food. All right, so I want when when Leslie gets ready to do her joke, I want you to say, "Come on, man." This is some bullshit, all right? All right? That's what I want you to say, Chuck, all right? Because this is comedy class. So I want you to, you know, we're going to get them. We're going to, I just, you know, you can, I just don't think, because when it really happened, you got to, and you got to know how to deal with a heckler, like, or somebody that's, you know, yeah. making themselves a part of the show. That's just one example, but just like, I, that's one thing. That I don't know how you can simulate. You got to, you got to go through that. Yeah. How, you how did bomb. you? Like, you can't even simulate bombing. You can't simulate. Well, no, you're right about that. Now, there's no, there's no thing, there's no feeling to match bombing other than somebody dumping you in front of other people. Yeah. Somebody breaking up with you in front of other people, maybe on B lunch. You know, that's about the only way you gonna not even breaking match that up feeling. with you. Not even breaking up with you. Bombing is like, bombing is like building, building a girl. You ever build a girl up in your mind like you think she dope, like because. Because she finds she gotta be dope all the way around. So like you building, you building your courage up, and then you finally go talk to this hoe, and she fucking stupid. Now you, <laughs> who knew? He knows you was gonna be a fucking dummy. Like you know what I'm saying? Like you know what I'm saying? You walk, finally 
you finally get the nerve to say, what's up? Is she, uh, huh? <laughs> what do you mean, what's up? Like, what do you mean? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's kind of like how it is. Like, in the, but like everybody sees it though. Like, so when you go yeah. to like, when you go to make your, make to shoot your shot, everybody sees that this shit don't go in. That's how bombing is. It's like, it's just like, it's nowhere to hide or nothing. It's like, oh, damn. So this really didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. And that's exactly what's going across your mind. Like, oh, shit, it didn't hit. <laughs> I just knew that joke was going to hit. That joke, because that joke was funny in my mind. These people crazy as hell. <laughs> that ain't funny to them? Okay. Hey. All right, well, damn. I remember one time I bombed so bad, man, that... Like, this is the thing. I, like, I told you about that first time I did comedy. I did good. Like, I did five minutes, and I, I let it go to my head. Like, I really thought, like, I, you know, I really thought, like, oh, shit, I'm a natural. Like, clearly, I, don't, I mean, I'm going to be on BET Comedy View next week. You know what I'm saying? So, like, one of the guys that was actually at, at my um, debut was like, hey man, I do an open mic on Wednesdays downtown in Greensboro. Why don't you come do some comedy there? You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't never have nobody come do comedy. I think it'd be dope. I'm like, yeah, bro, I'll come through. I'll come through and kick a few jokes. So this is on a Saturday. We talk about this on a Saturday. You know, he's like, this coming up Wednesday. So in between that Saturday and that Wednesday, man, I didn't practice nothing. Like, I felt like I had this comedy oh. shit down pat, man. Like, I'm clearly, I'm, man, I'm a, man, I'm a, young goat like i ain't gotta practice 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 for what i just did my first show i did my first five minutes damn near got a standing ovation clearly clearly i was put on earth to do this you know what i'm saying so <laughs> so i show up on that wednesday and i had anticipated what type of crowd it was gonna be i guess you know so i figured you know i knew it was gonna be kind of a mixed crowd i had this joke about interracial sex that uh -oh. I just thought was gonna be really, really great. And uh -oh. when I get there and it's time for me to go up, right in the front is a table, and at that table is two couples. One is a black guy and a white female. It's another, uh, then there's a white guy and a white female. So I'm thinking, oh, this interracial sex joke is about to really, <laughs> about to hit. And so, Basically, the premise of the joke was the difference of the difference in how white women moan during sex and how black women <laughs> moan during sex. And uh -huh. for whatever reason, I try I, I simulated the way white women moan during sex. Uh -huh. Oh no! And nobody laughed. Oh no! And I how looked at the white women like, back me the fuck up here, like <laughs> 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 nothing. They looked like they just were like I had offended them so bad. And the black guy, he laughed at it at first, but then he thought his girlfriend went laughing. He jumped off the ship quick, let me sink by myself. Like there was no Black Lives Matter in that bitch that day. Like he jumped right <laughs> off and let me drown in there. And I bought Bert. And I tell you, I didn't stay in the club. Like as soon as I left the stage, I had left my jacket it. on this. Yeah, man, I left my jacket on this chair on the back of this chair. And like, when I walked off stage, I walked past the chair and grabbed my jacket and went right to the damn door and got the <laughs> hell up out of it. <laughs> it's a part of it. Like, I mean, I feel like you, like if you try to skip that part of it, 
it's gonna, you know, it's gonna come back to uh, to bite you because it's a part of it. Yeah, how'd you recover? How you recover, man? Like after a situation like that, and we've all had it, you know. You gotta where... get back on stage because you got because like it's like um it's almost like being an athlete and being a quarterback. Like if you have a bad game or even a bad even a bad game, like like a, a bad performance is like a bad drive. It's like, yeah. you know, you you know, you gotta delay a game penalty. Yeah, you had you threw a couple incompletions, then you threw a pick. And it's like you got to go back to the bench and look at your plays, figure out what you did wrong, and then you got to get back out there for the next drive. You got to have a short memory because if you don't, then you let the last drive beat you. Now I've yeah. seen that happen to a lot of comedians. You know, like they let the they let one bad experience, um, they let it beat them. Yeah. I, so I want to ask you about somebody. You talking about somebody getting beaten down? Let me ask you this: What do you think about Kanye running for president? I've been wanting to get your 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 thoughts on that. I'm kind of I'm always kind of cautious about calling Kanye like I don't want to call him crazy because I not, like I've called him a genius too many times for me to retract it and to call him crazy. <laughs> but he might be a little crazy. <laughs> like, how can you, but how can you look back at this dude the last five years? If you look at the last five years of his life, what else do you call him? It's you don't call what else? Do you call? Unsettling. To, to watch. That, that's it's that's something that we can take. To watch, man. Like I, I, I don't know what other way to describe it because it's like, man, I'm a Kanye fan, and I've been a Kanye fan, man, from day one. And so, like, um, sometimes, man, it's just like it's like you ever had a friend, man, and like your friend just he say they say like they post shit on on Facebook or on social media, and because that's your friend, people associate you with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like having a friend like that and then like every but like every once in a while he just go too far and you be like oh shit bro <laughs> you, know what I'm you know what i mean like every once yeah in a while, you, you went too far bro <laughs> too far what you doing you know what i'm saying and i don't you know man i don't i try to stay out of people's business man i i really hope that he get like whatever type of counseling he need to get because once you start like tweeting wild stuff about your family and then that start to make me feel like man you really are you you starting to lose it a little bit because at the end of the day man you don't you don't you know you don't do that to your family yeah it, it was something he's it's like it's getting more extreme each and every time the the behavior man um so <laughs> i want to uh, then, then he insinuated that kim got smashed by meat mill you know and i'm like you don't like no man. You don't you don't put you don't post nothing like that, man. Like that's especially if that's your man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you and if you could call your man and be like, man, I was uncomfortable with the fact that y'all met at a hotel. Which, at which, let's be a buck. Let's keep it a buck. You know, when you say, oh, they met at a hotel to discuss um, prison reform. You gotta understand, man. Like they go into five star hotels, like a hotel got conference rooms restaurants that could you know what i'm saying like what's wrong with meeting at a hotel now if you meet at the super eight to discuss yeah. prison reform <laughs> y'all wasn't talking about no damn prison reform at the super eight now if y'all get a room at the super eight now now i'm mad 
But if y'all, you know, if you meet Meek if you met Meek Mill at the at the Waldorf, nigga, I mean, shit, that don't mean y'all might not even, you know what I'm saying? Come on, man. I don't like the way you know, I, ain't, I, I, I ain't one of the people to speak up for the Kardashians a lot, but I don't like, you know, I feel like Kim got him out of like she got that man out of fifty million dollars in debt. You don't you don't talk bad about nobody who get you fifty million dollars out of debt. I talk shit about the whole family, and then when the, when they get to her. I ain't got nothing bad to say. You know what I'm saying? That, that would have been yeah. really, I'd have talked shit about everybody. Fuck Chloe. I, she's silly as hell. She get on my damn nerves. I hate Courtney. Uh, yeah, she get on my damn nerves. Uh, damn. Chris can't stand her. What you say, Kim? Oh, that's my baby. <laughs> We're not going to know. No. I'll stop, I'll stop the interview. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> what we not going to do is start disrespect my wife. That's what we not going to do. Oh, now her family's oh, full of shit. Now, like oh, I was shit. saying about her bitch ass mama. Now, oh, shit. <laughs> so, but not my wife. <laughs> you talking about my wife that got me out of $50 million in debt? Oh, no, she's an angel. So, wh- why are we talking about wives that with, with questionable behavior? Um, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, you know where it's going, man. You you know where it's going. I want to know what you think about this whole entanglement situation as as the the creator of uh, Saidu, and I want you to talk about that project as well and the great success of it. Uh, what do you think about how that went down? Hey, look, it's 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 life, man. I I, I you know because we got invited to it to watch every watch it that's why we get to talk about it otherwise if it was like you know something behind the scenes i would be like hey man that's their business I i'm in no room to judge anyone but because we were invited into it it's like you know they kind of give you know gave us a glimpse to some other shit and yeah. we, you know like and then yeah. like there's so many layers to the shit you know what I'm saying there's layers to it and, and um you know but on in the grand scheme of things i don't feel I don't feel as though she did anything wrong by having a entanglement while she was separated. I don't feel like she did anything wrong. I, I, I mean, like, everybody, I don't smash. You ain't never smashed a separated chick? <laughs> <laughs> Nigga, come on, man. You ain't never had no separated Is it different? Is it different? separated chicks like in that first like three to six month period before they start thinking about maybe getting back with that nigga. <laughs> you gotta catch you gotta catch it early. You, you gotta, gotta catch, catch it when the, like the coronavirus you gotta, you gotta, gotta jump on that thing early. When the thought of divorce sounds amazing to her, you gotta catch her like in that fresh separation. Like not fresh because she might still be crying, but like like I mean like right after she decide fuck him. That's when you want to meet her. <laughs> so <laughs> I understand. I understand how he could, how how he could have, uh, you know, fallen into that, you know, into that into that situation, man. Like she, she separated. And look, this is another thing too, because I've heard a lot of people like misconstruing a lot of things. In my opinion, I feel like a lot of things got misconstrued. Uh, like when she said. Uh, Will hadn't made her feel good in a long time. To me, I didn't take that. 
see to me, I didn't take that like she was saying Will hadn't Will like his like his dick game was trash. I took that like they had been in a situation where they wasn't fucking. So you say it's not that he was bad, they just weren't doing it. They weren't doing it, bro. I honestly feel that's how it was. Like he wasn't smashing. And I feel like she was starting to feel like, well, damn, like, like maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe I ain't got it no more. You know what so, I'm saying? Yeah, but my thing is you Jada. You Jada Pinkett Smith. And you can't go no further than the house. Like you couldn't find a dude anywhere else. You could have had almost any dude on the planet, but yet you decide, you know what? I'm gonna pick the person that's fucking three doors down, right down the hall, that is real friends with my kids that I'm gonna deal with. And it wasn't that, just like a, it wasn't a one shot deal. Like, oh, this was, you know, it just happened one time. Like they were in a full fledged relationship in the house. Like you couldn't go out and find somebody, can you imagine if that had been Will that had messed around with one of Willow's homegirls that were had a, uh, was going through some shit, Will helped out and smashed at the same time. Can you imagine what would have happened? So why does Jada get a pass? That's my only, that's my only, um, that's the only thing that I felt like, you know, I definitely saw the, you know, the double standard there. I felt like because I felt like if there had been a man who did that, they would have been on his oh. head. They they'd have been on his head, man, because that's number one, they'd have said, Oh, is she a young girl? She don't know no better. You took advantage of her emotions, especially with you coming into the picture as someone that's gonna be a mentor to her. Like if I but I'm gonna be honest with you with you, Kev. That shit couldn't happen the other way around. Black women ain't gonna let nothing like that happen the other way around. I don't give a damn how troubled. I don't give a damn how troubled the bitch is. I can't bring her home talking about talking about I'm mentoring her ass. My wife would be like, well, shit, you know what I'm saying? I'm we can we can point her in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? But what you know what I'm saying? We she not finna be hanging out with uh, over here for pool parties and hanging out, you know what I mean? Like so like it wouldn't I, I don't know how it would have happened the other way around because women be women be keen to shit like that. Women pick women pick up on shit like that, which tells me that like mm -hmm. they marriage might not they marriage in my in my opinion, I think was in like a different type of place. Because you know, nigga, you married, I'm married. Like if a man if a I don't give a damn how troubled a 23-year-old nigga is, if he walk around my damn house with his shirt off and shit, and she talk about like, no, nah, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute, like you know what I'm saying? Like, why am I not mentoring them? <laughs> well, uh, well, let me ask you this. That's I think that's a great segue to I want you to talk about uh your some of your other projects you worked on, uh particularly side dude. I want you to talk about that, man. Uh so so side dude, yeah, so like side dude incorporated was really it's really like a um it really just came out from just like a joke. And from the, from these type of situations, and just me and a couple of fell uh, the fellas just hanging out one day talking about our past situations being side dudes, and it was like, man, I, I sat down and I was like, man, I really want to make this a story. So that's what I did, and um, you know, I basically we um, wrote Side Dude Incorporated the stage play, and then I, and basically turned into a, a web series that um, 
that I'm still working on getting, you know, getting done, so getting some more episodes done. But basically, the premise of the uh, of the story is that um, the, uh, my character plays a, a a young guy that's you know down on his luck, and he comes up with an idea um, to start a escort service catering to rich women, and basically, him and his friends become uh, escorts. But basically, it, uh, basically the funny part about the story is just showing that. Um, when you think about escorts, um, when we think about female escorts, you automatically think about sex because when a man, we think about a man paying an escort, you think like, he, you know, that's most likely what we're, we're looking for is sex. Um, but one of the, you know, the interesting things that we got to do with the storyline for uh, Side Dude Incorporated was show that a lot of times women don't, you know, they, you know, they don't necessarily want or necessarily need sex. They can get sex anywhere. The clients that you know, my characters, the characters that um are in the story, would run into clients who really just wanted companionship, you know, or just somebody to you know to uh to 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 be with, and so from that, you know, of course, you know, different, you know, the story the story starts taking a turn, different turns of its own, and you know, it's a little bit of drama in there, some comedy in there, and some gangster shit in there, so it's you know, it's definitely one of my um. You know, it's definitely my baby, you know what I'm saying? Because it's the first project that I really, like, sat down and, like, created from scratch. Um, but I couldn't do it, like, without my, like, without my cast. Like, I had, like, great talent uh, playing in these roles that I, that I created. So um, we really just in the process of just trying to nail some things down so that we can get our um, production done the right way so that we can try to get, um, get our um, product streamed and get it into the, you know, the hands of the consumers, you know, the quickest. That's dope, man. Um, so before you go, though, I, at some point, I want you to give the information where people can go back and catch that web series. Um, so I wanted to ask you, man, what do you like better? Do you like stand-up, uh, sketch comedy, or the creating the the screenplays and the the plays and things like which which one do you like best which one is it that you you really enjoyed you know being a part of the most it depends on it depends like it depends on like no sometimes it depends on my mood man and i like i think i like all of them the same because like sometimes i'll be doing stand-up and like you tell a joke and it hit and everybody laugh at one time in my mind, I'm thinking like, man, ain't no, ain't no better, ain't no better feeling than this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but then sometimes I'm doing theater, and it's a story that I wrote. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when we did Side Dude Incorporated, it was thirty. You know, I think it's thirteen scenes inside Dude Incorporated, and we did it at um, we performed it at um, Triad, uh, Triad Stage downtown in Greensboro. And the room where we did the uh, play, it's a very small room. And when you leave the room to go back into the dressing area, it's like a door there. And like, it's not, you know, it's very, you know, everything is connected. And one of the main things I loved about doing a play in a small setting was just how you can, you can feel the audience. Where it's like where, where, when you're doing stand-up, you want people to be listening to you for the most part. Like, you want them to laugh, you want them to laugh, and you want them to be listening to you. You don't want people talking to each other, like, during stand-up. If people are talking when you're doing stand-up to each other, that's, 
a sign of like, you know, like disrespect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you that, or you that you just, or you might not be, you you're not doing very well right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, theater is the opposite. Like I love to be in the middle of a scene, and I can hear the audience like they bought into the characters at this point, and I can hear the audience saying, "Uh huh, Jackson." Uh-uh, Jackson, no, Jackson. <laughs> don't do that, Jackson. Don't talk to him like that, Jackson. Oh, he was wrong, girl. He was wrong. He shouldn't have did that. I love that because <laughs> now, like now, as a writer, I know that I have made the story come alive for you. And you have bought into the story. You've bought into these characters. And I also know that from your reaction by the, the way the crowd is reacting to what's happening in the story and what the actors are doing, it's also letting like just it's um it's it's gratification to the actor because you know how much you put into um learning your lines and learning this role so if um you know I, it's certain feelings that i wanted to happen when i wrote the scene so when i'm sitting there behind the scenes watching actors you know um you know go through something that i wrote and i can see the audience and i can hear the audience being engaged i don't know that might be better than the joke that might be better than the stand-up when the joke works like that's a really wow that's a really dope moment because you know how much you put into like writing these like creating these characters that's one of the things that like like when i write a joke i have to create a joke i have to set it up and i have to have a punchline. so that's creativeness but that's creativity but the creativity that goes along with creating characters and then creating the storyline and then creating the relationships between those characters, that's kind of a feeling that's hard to beat when it goes well. You know, um, the first play I wrote was Welcome Home. <clears throat> and um, it was about um, a character that I created called Uncle Silky. And Uncle Silky comes home from doing 25 years in prison. And Damn. he's just trying to, figure, trying to figure out life. But in the meantime, He's, you know, he's living with his sister and his nephew and his nephew's trying to find love and he's trying to, you know, coach his nephew on how to, you know, how to do it. And to me, he's just messing stuff up the whole time. But there's a scene in the, in the, in the play that's kind of like the, um, what you would call, I guess, the um, climax where everything comes to a head where nephew is just so tired of Uncle Silky always messing stuff up by giving him bad, whether it be giving him bad advice or, or showing up while he, you know, unexpected when he had a date, you know what I'm saying, embarrassing him in front of a girl, whatever it is, you know, at this moment in the in the play, he just erupts on Uncle Silky like, yo, you messing up my life. Everything was so much better before you came. I'm sick of you, blah, 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 blah. And he blanking on Uncle Silky. Now, mind you, the whole play, Uncle Silky been messing up, and the audience has been like, come on, Uncle Silky, guy. You know, and it's funny because that's a part of the comedy. But in that moment, when nephew's just so mad that he just blanking on Uncle Silky, you can hear my like you can hear the audience. Oh, don't talk to him. don't talk to him like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he didn't mean it. You know what I'm saying? That's what that 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 feeling as a writer is what I feel like everybody is everybody's chasing that. How, how would you describe your comedy? So when somebody sees <clears throat> when when somebody sees your name on a flyer, when they hear about your shows when they hear you coming to their town, you know, what can they expect from you as a stand-up comedian when you're on that stage? Just um I'm I'm always I'm just 
I'm just energy, man. That's that's really like the main thing. And I'm probably like, you know, more laid back, you know, in an interview setting right now. But on stage, it's different. Like I'm like on stage is it's like I've been holding I've been holding everything in and on stage is when I get a chance to just let that out. So when you come to an Anson Hughes show, it's just going to be like a hundred percent energy from the time I get on stage. And even, and if it's my show that I'm producing, I, I try to put an emphasis on energy. I don't, I, I don't want a DJ that don't have, that has low energy. I don't want a host that has low energy. Like if I'm a, if I'm going to um, book another comedian to feature, I don't want anybody that's going to be low energy. I want people from the moment you step inside of an answer, you show the main objective is for you to forget whatever you got going on outside of here. You know, whatever you got going on in your personal life is, you know, is is left in the parking lot. And then once you step inside this building, then it's my job to bring you joy. That's really what a comedian's job is, is to bring joy to people. So, like, once you, you know, step foot across that threshold to an Amston Hughes show, I take it personally to make sure that you have a good time and make sure that we all have a good time because comedy is love. That's how that's, that's how we um, are able to, you know, get through these trying times like the stuff that we're in now you know what I'm saying comedy transcends all of that bullshit you know mm-hmm. we can get in a room together and 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 we can be black white um christian jewish atheist um lesbian gay straight it don't matter we get in the room and we just have a good damn time that's what you know that's what comedy does that's the beauty of comedy so when you uh when you um, think about an Amsterdam Hughes show, just think about just a, a, a good time, full of energy and um, no judgment, man. Everybody's accepted, man. Everybody is, you know, everybody is, is loved and welcome. Man, so <clears throat> what people may not know, uh, and they need to go to your uh, social media hand, social media handles, and uh, I want you to let everybody know that too. But what I want people to know about you is. Uh, one very intelligent brother and two very socially conscious. And if you check out his uh, Facebook page, you will see just how conscious he is with one minute you'll post something very funny and then you'll post something else and you learn from it. And how much with, with everything that has been going on, how do you see yourself doing, including even more of that into your stand up? I think I think you almost have to. Um, what the challenge is is to how how do you do it differently than everybody else? Because um, unfortunately, a lot of times when things um, when when movements take place, consider um, that, that have anything to do with social injustice, a lot of times it gets commercialized, and so every it's going to be a lot of people that's going to rush to incorporate a lot of uh, consciousness in their material. Um, so what the objective is, is how do you do it and do it intelligently? Um, and I feel like, you know, those, those comics that, that I grew up on and who inspired me, a lot of them were able to do that. You know, I, I had different comics that I looked up for, looked up to for different reasons. Um, but when it came to how do you make something um, funny, but at the same time, make it something that they that the audience is going to take home and think about it and say, damn, that was funny. Cause it was real. And, um, uh, like growing up listening to Chris rock bigger and blacker and, you know, uh, uh, like, like he was, to me, he was the epitome of 
being conscious, but still being like being funny. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, that's the that's the goal. You just, it's got to be funny. You can be conscious as shit. You know what I'm saying? But then you may be so conscious that you you not that you not funny anymore. Yeah. So you know, as a, in in our, in our profession, that's the number one goal is to be funny. So I definitely can see myself adding more of it um, into um, my material, and I and I have um, and because and one of the reasons I always try to do is. I try to make it as comfortably uncomfortable as possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. yeah, I want it to be comfortably mm. uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable for us to address certain things, but as long as we can address the fact that we're working to, we can work towards to fix it, then that's, that's the important part. You know what I'm saying? Don't get hung up on the fact of, you know, us talking about what's already happened because that gets, that gets done to us a lot as black comics where we, get told where it's like damn it's like y'all still talking about slavery it's like uh, it's still important you know what i'm saying and so yeah. and so if you give me a, a, a opportunity to um to do comedy in a room full of white people and then you tell me i can't talk about race it's that's almost that's almost violent to me like you yeah. know what i'm saying you trying to like like i remember um i got well i got an offer to get booked um, at a private event, um, off of, um, ah, man, what's the name of that website? It just went, dang, gig, gig salad, gig salad. Mm-hmm. Um, so lady wants to book me. She sends me an email. She asks me what my price is. She's cool paying the price. She's going to send me the deposit. All right. Before she tells me about sending me, the, you know, what, you know, what we need to do to, uh, where she wants me to send a deposit to. She says one last thing, um, just can't just please don't talk about race or um what did she say race or politics mm. and i was That's like man and i was like now nah, i'm gonna go ahead, i'm gonna go ahead and pass on this thing you know what i'm saying because yeah. i don't i don't want you to don't hire me and then tell me what you want me to talk about like yeah. i can't talk like and then like we already know <clears throat> Most of my gig salad, um, you know, bookings that I've done in the past, um, for um, for white people, they've been the event is mainly mainly white people, which is fine. But don't ask me to be the only black person here, and then I can't joke about being the only black person here. Like that shit is yeah. funny to me. Like yeah. I can't, like I can't yeah. acknowledge the fact that, like, damn, look at the look on some of y'all face. Y'all didn't know a brother was hosting this shit. Hello, I'm yeah. here now. You know, you know what I'm saying. I can't talk about that. Like that's funny to me. The fact that I'm the only black person here is hilarious. You know. I wanna, yeah. I want to know your top five dead or alive comedians all time. All right. Shit, that's tough. And my top five changes like every eight, nine months. <laughs> what the fuck? Like I for real, like I be having, I be having like one A's, two A's, three A's, three B. You know what I'm saying? Like real top, bro. You know, like I I have a a, a healthy list of comics that really I can honestly say have a, you know, played, you know, been big influences to me. All right, so if I was gonna start. Fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, nah, I know, like, I no know, exceptions. I know, the, I know the names. I just don't know how to order them. Like, all right, we'll just give off the names. Give off the names. Who are the names? Who are your top five? Pryor, Murphy, Chappelle, Carlin. Fuck, man, and um. Matt. Who? Bernie. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I can see that. I can I can see that. I, I can, like, I can see like, that. If I like in and, and those and those five to me, I think are, are probably the biggest influences to me with Chris Rock being probably like five B. You know what I'm saying? Like I I, I mean like prior is prior is a self-explanatory. Um then you got Eddie. If you are an 80s baby like myself, Eddie is self-explanatory. Eddie's a goat. You know what I'm saying? Um, is Eddie like – I put Eddie in the category of Biggie in terms of he didn't have a uh, – in terms of just as far as pure stand-up, he didn't right. have that, that long, huge catalog of specials, and he didn't have a ton of tours. But if you look at what he did in that short amount of time as just a stand-up comedian, you still can't match it. You yeah, the nigga saying? was like, basically the nigga was too good for stand-up. Like, and it's like I can't hold that against him. The only reason you don't have more Eddie Murphy stand-up is because he graduated. Like, it, it's like, it's like why you don't have more Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff albums. It's like, you know what I'm saying? He grad like. Will is that Smith really the reason? Is that really the reason? <laughs> In my mind, that's why he graduated to a different level of stardom. Ain't nobody got time to be making no albums with Jazzy Jeff when you got to shoot a fucking Fourth of July movie. You shooting Independence Day, nigga. Like you know when your friend is starting to go to another level. You know what I'm saying? I can only imagine at some point Jeff was like, "Man, you know we ain't even really got to make no albums, bro. I know you busy. Like you know what I'm saying? Like." Come on, man. Like, and, and, of course, Jazzy Jeff is Jazzy Jeff. So, I mean, it wasn't like Jazzy. Like, Jeff didn't have his own thing. Like, he's one of the best DJs of all time. But, like, you know when your friend is going to a different level. Like, and, you know, I feel like that's kind of what happened. So, it is it's interesting you mention that because I felt that way about Chappelle. But he, I felt he went to another level as a comedian. And it's interesting to see when I look at Eddie and Chappelle, I think Ed, Eddie's on a different level just because of the multiple things that he's doing. But as a pure, just from a, a perspective of stand-up, it's been great to see Dave take that growth. He, yeah, because you see Dave, what I'm saying? I, guess, I see what you're saying, because it's like Dave, we look at Dave and we see, see Dave as like a pure comedian. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He never, he never was a box office draw or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? Like as far as like, a movie star. Um, yeah. But, like, that's what I mean, though, when I talk about Eddie as far as, like, he graduated, like, bro, was a, he's a bona fide, uh, he's a bona fide um, legendary talent because he transcended stand-up, then he did movies, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And when I say he did movies, bro, he didn't just do movies, like, and then, like, people really got to understand the level that Eddie was doing it in the 80s. Like, Eddie was on a different level 
than any other black comedian in the 80s, man. Like, when you talking about selling out arenas, doing stand-up, mm-hmm. Eddie's the only person that was do- – only black comic that was doing that in the 80s, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, he really elevated it to a different level. And then when he started doing movies, he didn't have to, like – he didn't have to be – he didn't have to, like – um he didn't have to be no – think about the early movie roles Eddie did, bro. Axel Foley, bro. Yeah. Man, yeah. come on, bro. Like, Eddie made a cop be cool, man. Like, I'm from a neighborhood where the cops was not cool. Like, we didn't look at, like, cops. Like, yo, <laughs> yo, bro, did you see Officer Johnson today, bro? He's cool. Like, we didn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Nigga made Axel Foley. Axel Foley made yeah. niggas be like, shit, man, what a damn, man. Made a damn. This nigga a cool-ass cop, you know? Like, you know, um, think about how um big coming to America was for the culture. Yeah. Uh, all black cast like that. You know what I'm saying? In 88? Come on, man. Eddie yeah. got to be in the top five because he started out on with stand-up and he branched off and did something else, like, to another level. But people forget his stand-up numbers is crazy. Like, yeah. like yeah. Eddie Murphy Raw, Eddie Murphy Delirious, bro, like, the tours, like, the numbers he was doing on for those tours in the 80s, was that was something. Ain't nobody seen that before. But we and and that's the only thing with Eddie is I hope that the history of his stand up does not get pushed to the back because of his because success. Of his great, you know, yeah, who else his is greatness like that? in that. Who? Jamie Foxx. Like people forget how funny Jamie Foxx was doing stand up, bro. Like yeah, yeah, his stand up yeah. gets almost forgotten, bro, because like. Yeah. He's transcended to one of the greatest actors of all time. Of our now that, time. Now that's our true. And I actually, man, I think his his sitcom that he had, the Jamie Foxx show, I think is terribly underrated. Crazy underrated. It was hilarious. So think about, bro, you can't think of one episode of the Jamie Foxx show that was wet. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. Not to mention, not to mention, like, like, but like, he's just one of them cats that was just like, he was too big to just be a stand-up comedian. But like, like, this dude can sing. This dude can act, man. Like, yeah, like he just, you know, after a while, it was like, um, you know, it just didn't even make sense to keep doing stand-up and doing <laughs> tours. One thing I love yeah. about Netflix, I feel like Netflix has been like, um, giving the culture, been bringing the culture back. Because Netflix got the money to say, hey, man, we'll give you 20 mil to do stand-up. I wish they'll throw Jamie some money so he could come back, man. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so man, you, I, I appreciate you having me, man, for real. Yeah, for real. man, I'm glad that you uh, had some time to come on, man. I can't wait till, you know, to see you back out there, man. I, I enjoyed when we were doing the uh, the open mics, man. Well, look, before you go, let everybody know where they can catch you on social media, man. Okay, well, you can definitely catch me on social media. Just check it out, Mark. Just hit me up on my name, Amston Hughes, last name H-E-W-S. That's on social media um, platforms, Facebook and on Instagram. Like I said, last name H-E-W-S Hughes, first name Amston, A-M-P-S-T-O-N. Mr. Grind Don't Stop. Hey, everybody, make sure they check him out, man. Well, look, you have a good one, man. It's been great catching up with you, and uh, we'll talk soon, man. Take care. For sure, man. Thank you for having me, man. Be blessed. Peace.